Welcome to the Daily Disciples Podcast with Tony Lee Adamson. Real and raw conversations dealing with life and spirituality. God so loved the world, but do we realize that he still does? God uses people's stories to encourage and enlighten us to continue growing, learning, and living with hope. Here, you will find the love of God speaking to you through the stories of others. Thank you for joining us today. Hello and welcome to Daily Disciples Podcast as we continue with the study, Women of the Bible. And last week we discussed Rebecca and now we are moving on to Rachel. It is interesting that we're starting with Rachel before Leah because Leah is Rachel's sister and Leah is the older of the two. And yet in the scriptures as you continue to watch God talk about Leah and Rachel, the term is Rachel and Leah. So the younger one gets bumped up, just like Esau and Jacob got changed to Jacob and Esau. So there is something about the underdog or the younger child in the scriptures that take precedence over the older child. So I'm going to begin in prayer, and then we will talk about this next great woman in the Bible. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your love and your grace, and we thank you, Father, that you completely open up the insights you have for us about these people in the Word of God. And Lord, we ask you that you will give us eyes to see and ears to hear. We ask you, Lord, that your Spirit may move through us, that we can be convicted but also comforted by knowing that our struggles and our sins do not keep us from you, Lord, but your love abounds always. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Abraham married Sarah. Then Sarah had a son named Isaac, and Isaac married Rebekah. And then Isaac and Rebekah had twins, and their twin boys were Esau and Jacob. And God told Rebekah, that the younger child would be ahead of or more blessed or the blessing of God would come through the younger child, Jacob, over Esau. He ran from his hometown to the land of his mother to find a wife. Through that process of leaving Rebekah and Isaac's home to go to the home of Laban, it was during that journey of four to 500 miles on foot, he was introduced to God. Jacob said, God, if you can bring me back to this place where you introduced yourself to me, then I will serve you. So Jacob ends up at the home of Laban and he is introduced to his uncle Laban, who is his mother's brother through a woman named Rachel. Now, Rachel is the younger sister of Leah. When Jacob saw Rachel, he immediately fell in love. And in Genesis 29, 16, the scriptures say, Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were weak. But Rachel was beautiful in form and appearance. 
Jacob loved Rachel and he said, I will serve you seven years for your younger daughter, Rachel. So of course, if a woman is beautiful, there's a lot of men's heads that turn. It's not like a, oh, he saw her and immediately he was, he was swooped away in this love. And of course, I'm sure he was to the point that he said to Laban, I will work for you seven years just to marry her. She is so beautiful. But the scriptures do reveal to us that she was beautiful to many. She was beautiful in form and appearance. So she was just one of those women that people turn their heads, both men and women. So as Jacob is working for Laban for seven years, finally the wedding comes up and he thinks he is marrying Rachel because he worked seven years to marry Rachel. And the next morning he discovers that Laban, his uncle, tricked him and Jacob ended up with the older daughter first, and her name is Leah. Now Leah had weak eyes, and so I'm sure she constantly felt intimidated by the beauty of her younger sister. Laban says to Jacob, when he is furious about this, Laban says, well, this is our custom. We marry the first one off, and then after you give a week to Leah, then I'll give you Rachel. And that's what happened. The second bride was Rachel a week later. The scriptures then start talking about how Leah feels hated. In verse 31, when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. Now that word hated means she was treated as an enemy. She was treated as a foe, that people were hateful to her. I am thinking, although I don't know for sure, that both Jacob and Rachel treated Leah hatefully. I do not think it was only Jacob. I mean, we could speculate and say maybe Leah was in on her father's plan to trick Jacob. But we have to remember that Jacob is also known to trick his father and trick his brother right? That's how he ended up with the birthright. That's how he ended up running away. It shows in the scriptures that if we deceive, we will become deceived. Like what goes around comes around. Here, Uncle Laban is a lot like his sister, Rebecca, because Laban deceived Jacob now, just like Rebecca had deceived her husband, Isaac into giving Jacob all the blessings from the family. When Leah says, I am hated, so God opens her womb, the Lord is, it, this is written in a way that the Lord saw Leah was hated. It's not like Leah is exaggerating. God is literally saying, this isn't right how she's being treated. So I'm going to bless her. I'm going to give her a child. And literally, Leah has one Reuben, two Simeon, three Levi, four Judah. And Rachel still doesn't have any children. And Leah is feeling like, and she uses the word, now that I have these children, number the third son, who is Levi, 
She calls him Levi and she says, now my husband will attach himself to me or now my husband will adhere closely to me or cleave to me. We will now become one because I've given him three sons. But that still didn't happen. So Leah is abundantly blessed, but she doesn't have the love of her husband. So she feels like an outcast. She feels rejected. Now, as we hit chapter 30, Rachel saw that Leah had bore all these children. And so she said to Jacob, give me children or I shall die. So God did exactly what he knew would happen. By the fourth child, Jacob's love for Rachel wasn't enough anymore. By the fourth child, now Rachel wants a child. Now Rachel is saying, I know you love me more and I know that we have even hated Leah, as a result of her being your first wife. But I want this child now too. It's hard for me to believe that Jacob hated Leah that much because he did have relations with her enough times to have four sons. I was thinking about the teenage girl that comes home pregnant and says, but really mom, we only did it once. And you wonder, well, once you've done it once, it's easier to do it again and again, but it sounds so much more innocent when you say it really was just our first time. Well, this is the same case. Did it only take four times for her to get pregnant with four sons? If Jacob really hates Leah, is he going to be that intimate with her so consecutively? It's something to think through. I really do think the hate came from the younger daughter, the younger sister, Rachel. And now she's literally saying, I'd rather die than be barren. I'd rather die than deal with my sister being blessed like this. Verse 2, Jacob's anger was kindled against Rachel. This is the first time Jacob is angry with Rachel. And he says, am I in the place of God who's withheld from you the fruit of the womb? Then she said, here's my servant Bilhah, go into her so that she may give birth on my behalf. Bilhah has two children for Jacob, and then Leah ends up with eight children total because Leah has six boys, two from her maidservant, and then Rachel has two from her maidservant, and then Rachel has one more before this whole group leaves Laban and moves on to go back to Bethel, back to that promised land that God said he would call Jacob back to. In verse 22 of Genesis 30, then God remembered Rachel and God listened to her and opened her womb and she conceived and bore a son and she said, God has taken away my reproach and she called his name Joseph saying, may the Lord add to me another son. It does seem like when we get very serious with God, like when we have run out of all of our abilities to do things and we really go to the Lord and we really pray and say, God, please hear my prayer, that it's in that place of desperation that we have no doubt that it is God who is intervening. It is in that place that God does answer prayer. And we see that over and over in the word of God. That when we wrestle with God or we reason with God or we, we cry out to God in a place of such anguish that we hear the Lord.
But not only do we hear the Lord, we see the Lord hear us as he answers our prayers. We don't like to get to that place though. I mean, who wants to get to that place? Isn't it better just to be praying in your car? Oh, Lord, please clear up the traffic. You know, I mean, and then the traffic might clear and you might not even give thanks to God because there was the accident and we just keep going. But when your sisters had all these children and you've had none, you are in a place of begging God. The family was everything. These people were nomads. They were sojourners. They traveled and they needed those boys to work the land. This is how they fed themselves and provided for themselves. They didn't go to work and go to factories or anything. I mean, they, they were shepherds and they had goats and sheep and camel. So they had to take care of the land and take care of the animals. So they needed abundance of children for this, which is why we see the man, Jacob, having relations with four women to have all these children. Even though this isn't God's best, I mean, Jesus says it's God's desire that there's one man with one woman. Still, even though it's not God's best, God does use Jacob and his 12 sons to become the 12 tribes of Israel. Even in Revelation, God continues to bless these people all the way to the end. In Revelation 7, the Jewish people's eyes will be opened and they will start realizing Jesus is the Messiah and then evangelism will come a completely different way than we know it now. Because now evangelism comes through the Gentiles. But in time, in the book of Revelation, it goes back through the Jews. So God is faithful. What God has begun, he is faithful to complete it. That's what Philippians tells us. So now Rachel has one child and they are moving from Laban and both Leah and Rachel say, our dad's not good to us. We have no inheritance with him. We're fine to go. Jacob obviously is anxious about it because he's got his brother who wanted to hate him and kill him on the other side. So he also gets to the point where he is going to wrestle with God. But before that, Jacob leaves, doesn't tell Laban and Laban realizes He's gone and he took my daughters and my grandkids with him. Well, God woke Laban up in a dream and said, don't you dare put your hand on Jacob because I have blessed you because of him. So Laban goes with the intent now of saying, you stole my household gods. You stole the things that we worship. Laban gets to Jacob in verse 31 of chapter 31. So 31, 31. Jacob answered and said to Laban, the reason why I left without telling you was because I was afraid for I thought you would take your daughters from me by force. Anyone with whom you find your gods shall not live. In the presence of our kinsmen, point out what I have that is yours and take it. Now, Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen them. Jacob is going to become the head of the Jewish nation. Jacob is going to become Israel. That is the nation Israel that we know today. And these 12 sons that he has will each become part of the land of Israel. So when he is saying, whoever took your gods shall not live, there is power in his words. We have to realize that there's power in our words too. When Kathy is saying, pray for wisdom in my words, that should be a prayer all of us have. 
Because as Jacob is saying this, he didn't realize that the love of his life, Rachel, is the one who stole those gods. And Jacob also knew better. He knew that he was heading back to Bethel to meet that same God. And we worship a God that does not want any other gods in our lives. So Laban comes to get his gods and Rachel protects those gods as she says, I have my period so I can't get up, dad. And he said, okay, okay, you can stay. You can stay seated then. And that's how Rachel was not discovered. But after Laban left, Jacob found out that Rachel was the one that stole the gods. It isn't until chapter 35 that Jacob says to his entire household in verse 2, Put away the foreign gods that are among you and purify yourselves and change your garments. Like he said, we are not going to live like this anymore. This is why God called Abraham out of his family because his family was wrapped up in serving things that Abraham was not called to do or to serve. And Jacob knows better that he has not been firm in explaining that the God of heaven and earth, the God of all creation, is going to bless Jacob and his sons, and they can have no foreign gods. This is a message for us too, in that there are things that maybe our parents have done that God has not called us to continue doing, and our parents might want us to do it, they might tell us, you were raised this way, or why aren't you honoring this church, or or this way, or this culture. We have to understand that we each have a personal relationship with God, and we do not stand before God someday saying, God, I made my parents happy. That is not our role on this earth. Our role on this earth is to live for the Lord. Our role on this earth is to take the convictions God has placed in our hearts and to walk forward with that. Will it cause suffering at times in your family? Absolutely. But Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. I'm going to divide families. Now, the peace that does come from Jesus is the peace that's in our hearts that we're doing the right thing and following Jesus. But it's not necessarily a peace when we suffer rejection or betrayal because we've chosen to do things differently than our parents have said or than, than our culture or the church we were raised in demands. It's very, very important that when Jacob says, put away the foreign gods, that it is not until they put away the foreign gods that God then again comes to Jacob. And at that point in chapter 35, verse 11, God said to Jacob, I am God Almighty, be fruitful and multiply. And in verse 10, God changes Jacob's name now from Jacob to Israel. Verse 12, the land that I gave to Abraham and Isaac, I will give to you and I will give the land to your offspring after you. Then God went up from him in the place where he had spoken with him. Verse 15, so Jacob called the name of the place where God had spoken with him Bethel. Then they journeyed from Bethel. And then right after God met with Jacob, changed his name to Israel, the first thing that happened 
was that now Rachel dies. And Rachel dies by having her desire fulfilled. She named Joseph, may I have another son. That was the name of Joseph. She has another son, but it was with the birth of this son that Rachel dies. And it's also the death of the name of Jacob to be changed to Israel that the first thing God removes from Jacob in that name change is the love of his life who brought those foreign gods with them, Rachel. Jacob does say in Genesis 48, 7, when I got to Bethel, my greatest sorrow that had ever happened to me was uh, Rachel dying. So there was an intense pain of Rachel dying with this intense, abundant promise of blessing that would come through his children. And we can see here now that Jacob's marriage to all these women did not matter as greatly as the children that were born to him. Okay, so he had four women, and yes, he loved one more than he loved all the others, but that was also the person God took away in the name change, and it's also after Rachel has the 12th son, which is the 12th tribe, then there are no more children. It's like it stopped, it stopped that error of child birthing because God was in the midst of all that by giving all those children. And as we continue through Genesis, we're going to see these boys weren't good boys. They put away the foreign gods, clearly, because God showed up. But we're going to watch that just like we are not perfect, just like we fall short, just like we make mistakes and we feel tormented so many times, these boys do the same thing. And God lets us know that it's not the righteous that he chooses. He blesses those that he calls and he gives us the power to walk with God as a result of us coming to know God. So it's through choices, it's through circumstances, and it's through the sovereignty of God that we learn how to walk with him. With the death of Rachel, the only other time we hear about Rachel is in the New Testament. We hear about her also in Jeremiah 31, 15. Jeremiah is actually quoting a passage, which I don't know where that passage has come from, but it says, like Rachel who is crying that her children are no more, that becomes a prophecy in the book of Matthew that when Herod kills all the children and all the young boys two years old and younger, that prophecy is fulfilled. Now, why did God say Rachel is crying because her children are no more? Maybe because it was so hard for Rachel to have children that the idea that both would be taken away would be so painful because that's exactly what happened when Jesus was born. Herod got threatened because the wise men said, a king of kings has been born. And Herod said, I don't want any other king, kill all the babies. And then the reference is, Rachel is weeping because she has no more children. And of course, if you only had two and you had to beg God for both and the second one took your life, you would weep if you had no children. You would weep. So that is, is the references to Rachel, that she was beautiful in appearance and form, that she was loved greatly by her husband, Jacob, that she 
loved her father's gods, her four, the foreign idols, and she took them and then lied that she had them. And then her, her prophecy, let me have another son, not only Joseph, that was fulfilled, but it was with the birth of Benjamin that her life was taken. It's kind of a sad story because Leah and Rachel didn't have a lot of peace together. They were women in conflict. And I was thinking about that because we do have problems with conflict today. Conflict with in our own families, conflict with our extended family members, conflict at our workplaces, conflict just by having people in our lives. And we have issues of jealousy, we have issues of envy, we have problems that become about hate. And how do we deal with these things? And I was thinking about Isaiah 45, that God is saying, I am the Lord and there is no other. Besides me, there is no God. And he says, I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. I am the Lord who does these things. So when hurtful, challenging things, circumstances happen in our lives, who's really responsible for it ultimately? And the answer really is God. God is the one that says he creates light and he creates darkness. We know that God saw that Leah was hated, so he gave her children. Then that got Rachel's attention. So then she went to God and said, I want to have children too. And God said, okay, I'll give you children too. So it really is our relationship with God that we need to come to him when we are struggling with things. If God tells us he never leaves us or forsakes us, God tells us that he puts his Holy Spirit in our hearts. God tells us that he hears our prayers when we call out to him. Well, if things aren't being answered in our prayers, is the problem with us? Yes, that we don't understand the heart of God. Rachel didn't understand that her hatred towards Leah was preventing her from getting pregnant. Okay, now, is that why all people don't get pregnant? No. I am using this as an illustration right now to show how God does work through circumstances to get our attention. Rachel, you shouldn't hate your sister. Leah feels unloved. When God says, be kind and compassionate and tenderhearted to one another, forgiving one another as Jesus has forgiven us. When we are in the midst of trials and struggles, and we are also the one that causes other people's trials and struggles, what goes around comes around, and we will sense that. Only God can break that in us. Only God can turn our hearts towards him. And he does use challenging circumstances and difficult relationships to get our attention. So in Isaiah 1, when God says, Come, let us reason together. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them white as snow. God is saying, Come to me and talk to me about these things. Come to me and let us reason. And God is saying, you are a sinner. And you as a sinner, I'm asking you to come to me, a holy God, that we can wrestle this out together. And I will take the thing that is crimson red, like they talk about Rachel's you know, menstrual cycle, right? This is the only place in the Bible that really talks about that. God is saying, though your sins are like, Red as crimson really does refer to used menstrual cloths. 
That is Isaiah 1. Though your sins are as bad as menstrual cloths. They didn't have sanitary napkins back then. I will make them as white as snow if you come to me. God can take anything in our life and redeem it and restore it and change it, but he has to change us first. And the only way we will change is if we come to him. And sometimes the only way we will come to him is if we have challenging conflicts and circumstances in our lives. So then it goes into wrestling with God. We, we studied that with Jacob during this part of the scriptures that Jacob knows that Laban is coming from this way and Esau is coming this way and he is sandwiched in the middle and he sends all of his family out and he spends the night alone with God and he wrestles with God. And the name Israel means wrestling with God and one. Jacob wrestled with God to the point of triumph that God heard his prayer and then God released all the promises. So if you are struggling today with something in your life that you can't figure out why it won't change, go to the Lord, wrestle with him, reason with him, ask him to talk to you, and then just be still and listen. And you will hear that still small voice through the word, through different people, through Bible study, through church. You will hear God talking back to you and keep going to him till you sense that he has released a blessing. And that's what we do see in Rachel's life, that she was given two sons. She was given a man who loved and adored her, but then she was removed and taken home to heaven. With that, we're going to close out the woman of the Bible this week, who is Rachel. Thank you so much for joining us on Daily Disciples Podcast. For more information, please go to the Facebook page, Daily Disciples, and uh, we would love to see you soon. Thank you for joining Daily Disciples Podcast with Tony Lee Adamson. No more fake, fancy, or fluffy, but real and raw conversations dealing with life and spirituality. For more information, go to dailydisciples.org or connectionsnetwork.tv. And we can't wait to talk to you soon.